For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Okay, so there's a big thing going on in Las Vegas next weekend with two teams involving some sort of championship. And our partner, Bet Online, is your number one source for football odds, stats, trends, and lines. From everything from point spreads to hundreds of bets. So you guys are prop bets such as the coin toss to the color of Kool-Aid now. Kool-Aid, Gatorade, wow. BetOnline is your number one source for your championship wagering. Head to BetOnline and join today to get in all the action. Bet online. The game starts here. Hey, everybody. It's Rogelio. And real quick, just wanted to mention that this was recorded on Monday afternoon as some of the news broke out this morning involving Nick Maton and Devin Sweet clearing waivers for the Tigers. We get into some of the transactions that happened today before we get into the episode that was recorded last night involving all the prospect rankings. We also, on this episode, this quick 15-minute supplemental, if you will, talk about Keith Law and his recent release of his top 100. Sit back, relax, and also don't forget, please, if you can, donate to our GoFundMe. The link is in the show description. Every bit helps as we try to get to spring training and beyond. Of course, loading up the podcast this morning, we did a, rec- we did a live recording last night. So this is a supplemental because, again, some of the unexpected news on a Monday in February, which we should have expected, but maybe not. But one of of the news items that came out today was Nick Maton was cut for a lefty by the name of uh, Colton Ingram, who was originally drafted by the Tigers in the 37th round back in 2019 and was a COVID cut. And Chris will get into that here in a second. Devin Sweet cleared waivers, so he'll be in the minors with the Tigers. And so... But yeah, the whole Nick Maton, the Dodgers and Yankees made a couple trades too as well. And the Royal signed Bobby Wood Jr. to a massive extension where he gets, I think, 11 years guaranteed paid. So a lot of news for a Monday in February. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if we're going to tack this on to the front, to the back, or separate, but uh, we mentioned in last night's podcast that, that Keith Law's prospects list hadn't come out yet. And then it came out today. Yeah. He didn't have the team rankings, but he did have five Tigers in the top 100. Uh, he was another one who had Parker Meadows in there. And I should have known, you know, I, I mentioned in that that he tends to rank Tigers systems lower because he likes up the middle. I haven't had those. I mentioned Max Clark. I forgot Parker Meadows. So that's good. So the, the Tigers may have a pretty strong ranking in his list with five top 100 prospects. So that's another fun one that, that came out. And uh, yeah, the Bobby Witt news was was pretty big across baseball, right? I mean, that's a, I think it's an 11-year deal worth $314 million or something like that. And uh, and then it can be 14 to 377. And he's got opt-outs after like the 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, and 11th years. And there's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's cool for Kansas City. It's cool for Bobby Witt Jr. Um, and it'll be annoying for Tigers because he's a good player and he's going to be there forever. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we stick mostly to Tiger stuff. And, and so the Nick Maton thing is is kind of, uh, I think, the biggest story here, as it were, uh, just because, you know, he was one of the 
you know, he had five home runs last spring training. I think he was a lot of people who were hopeful that he was going to be the answer at third base or second base. And he just went out and, and didn't perform on either side of the ball. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if somebody else picks him up. Uh, it wouldn't shock me at all if somebody takes a chance on him, even though he only hit, what, 150 in the big leagues last year. There's still some intriguing skills there. Yeah, there's a lot to work with with Nick Migton. Yeah, the, the the wolf, the whole thing. Remember how last year when he got off that strong spring training start, the, the wolf and the whole Duran Duran reference, everything. It is. It was really weird to see the kind of descent, if you will. And the guy was busting his ass as much as possible. The guy was all about baseball and it was just nothing was coming together and teams started when teams started figuring him out his mo it was he couldn't could make any solid contact at all and so but it shows that sky harris is willing to we saw this with donnie sands earlier this year they're they're not they're not going to wait around if you're not going to produce you're gone and it was so weird too we were just mentioning the lack of lefties that could come up uh, short of andrew vasquez we talked about potentially Andrew Magno and what have you, but now that gives them another lefty to, to, to another lefty with some experience in Ingram. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny that we, we mentioned that toward the end of the podcast, it, it, uh, you know, the lack of left-handed options there. And uh, like you said, and it wouldn't shock me if we see, this has kind of been the MO of, of Scott Harris since he came here is that they will claim these guys on waivers. And then a few weeks, a month, down the road, they, you know, try to pass them through again and to make room for somebody else or just, you know, they want these kind of, you know, fringe major league talents there in Toledo, which again goes to some of the questions we answered last night about pitching depth, that uh, they want these big league level talents as close as possible. And they're just trying to stockpile them. And, and Ingram, yeah, it's a cool story, man. He, he, you touched on it. He was a 37th round draft pick in 2019. Uh, same draft as Brendan White. Uh, Bo Brisky, I believe, and uh, Kerry Carpenter, right? So they've they've ended up getting a bunch of big leaguers after the tenth round in that draft, and uh, you know it's a lefty with uh, you know an average fastball. I think ninety two, ninety four. I think average ninety three last year. He's got the full complement of pitches. He's really he's a shorter guy, so I bet you know I haven't watched a ton of him, but I, I would bet there's a pretty flat approach angle to the plate with that fastball, and uh, yeah, the Tigers. They cut him after I think he threw 30 innings in the rookie leagues in 2019, and then 2020 hit, and that was the COVID year. And remember, baseball players all over the place were getting cut. We had uh, you put up a message board on the old Tigers minor league report, uh, you know, website, trying to help minor leaguers who were losing, getting cut, and, and trying to help them get jobs uh, outside of baseball or getting new jobs in baseball because it was happening to a lot. Like thousands of players got cut, and he was one of the casualties. But luckily for him. Uh, he caught on with the Angels. He and there's there's a couple stories you can find out there. Cody Stavenhagen wrote a nice one about Brendan White. Brendan White came to live with Colton Ingram in Georgia and trained during that COVID year. And those are two really late-round draft picks, and now they're both big leaguers. So it's pretty cool. And that kind of like slap, almost a slap to the glove there when he sets and delivers. That has an old-school feel to it when he just comes like right there. That, I will not say slap to the glove, but kind of his yeah, motion... It, to me, it's there's a little bit of like a a Madison Bumgarner like drop and drive wide arm swing uh, lower slot, but uh, yeah, it's a different look, right? That's what teams are looking for out of the bullpen. They want guys who can present different arm slots, different pitch movements, different pitch shapes. So again, we, we they may they may cut them a week from now and, and try to clear them through waivers like they did with Devin Sweet, and uh, 
so we don't want to spend too much time on it, but it's uh, another move. And, and, you know, the big one, I think, is, is just the fact that it comes at the expense of Nick Mahon, who was kind of considered at this time last year to be a possible building block for the future. And good on the Tigers, right, for giving them a shot and basically deciding it wasn't going to work. You know, they didn't. it's not one of those uh, things where you hold on to a guy forever because you traded for him. They're like, oh, well, you know, you, yeah. you gave it a shot and it didn't work. So move on. And as far as the Tigers getting love from, let's get to real quick with Keith Law. And Keith Law, like I said, there's Keith Law is one of those, there's a lot of people <laughs> either hate him or like him. And there's no in between, but he doesn't really care what you think. He really doesn't. And he's been the kind of the go-to for prospect rankings for, for a long time. And so when Pete, when the Keith Law prospect list comes out, that means business and to a certain extent. And, this time the Tigers got that love. And so we'll start with Matt Clark at number 14. Jackson Joe comes in at number 29. Cole Keefe at 36. Young at 87. And Parker Meadows at number 97. So there's a, a perhaps like the lack of McGonagall love, but still, nevertheless, that's still a pretty good show by the Tigers. Yeah. And, and, you know, people immediately picked up on his, you know, what he mentioned in his Max Clark blurb was that he could be a 30 30 center fielder with an OBP close to 400 while playing above average center field defense. And everybody's like, good Lord. Like that's a, it's like a top 10 player in baseball. And so Jerry, our friend, uh, data wizard went through and found all the center fielders since 2003 who have gone 30, 30. And it's a pretty ridiculous list. It's Mike Trout, Carlos Beltran, Matt Kemp, Jacoby Ellsbury, Grady Sizemore, Ronald Acuna Jr., Julio Rodriguez, and Cedric Mullins. Um, I think 30, 30 is probably like 30 home runs is probably a little bit optimistic, but I mean, who knows? we're really excited to see Max Clark go out there in his first full season and, and see what he can do because everybody kind of says like, yeah, that the power is the one thing that might not project to above average, but who knows? I mean, Corbin Carroll is not a very large man and he hit 25 home runs this year. And, uh, you know, Clark is bigger than him and gets comparisons to him in, in terms of his play style. So we'll see. And here's a question too. I was trying to think about this. What was the last Tiger that went three, three home runs? The, the Tigers have Tigers never have never had a 30-30 player as far as I I, I know. I think uh, Granderson had that 2020-2020 year or whatever. I think Gibby came really close to 30-30 season once, maybe twice. But I don't think they've ever had a 30-30 guy. I don't I don't think so either. I was trying to think of – because when I think of the 30-30 era, I kind of I, I think late 80s, early 90s. Is that, is that fair to say, Chris? I mean, that's when I started thinking of yeah, when I, that happened. Yeah, I think, you know, the first – you know, the first people who were doing it were, you know, like the Willie Mays and, and Bobby Bonds and, and guys like that in the 50s and in the 60s and early 70s. But, yeah, the 30-30 became a big thing in the 80s when, as you know, our era growing up, like Daryl Strawberry, Howard Johnson, Eric Davis, uh, guys like that. I think, you know, Bonds, Bonilla may have even done it. Maybe not. Ron Gant, I think, maybe. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Tigers have had – I think Gary Sheffield probably had a 30-30 season. I, I have to check that. So the Tigers, I think, have had players who had a 30-30 year, but never for them. I'm almost positive. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to do some digging around on that one because I, I, I can't think of – that. that's a rare thing because the Tigers have had, in terms of like in terms of center fielders, you think of guys with really either really good speed and defense, like Mill Kyler, for example, when you and I – that blew my mind a couple weeks ago when we were talking about his rookie season where he was, in, in the, I think, in the top five in rookie voting – 
And he had a war, almost what, a five war, was it? Or 4.3 war, something I think, like yeah, that? Four plus, so. Yeah, he ended up uh, having, I think, the highest war. He finished third in Rookie of the Year that year, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, he had the highest war among the, the people and the finalists. So and that was just mostly based on defense. But I'm uh, – so, yeah, I'm looking now. And, uh, yeah, Tigers have never had a 30-30, man. The Braves have had five. Uh, well, if you count, like, multiple seasons. Uh, Red Sox have had two. Bobby Bonds was the only one to ever do it for the California Angels. The Cubs have had two. Sammy Sosa did it twice. Bobby Bonds, uh, White Sox and Rangers, Eric Davis, Barry Larkin, Brandon Phillips for the Reds. Cleveland has had three different players. The Rockies have had three different players. The Marlins have had two. The Astros, two. Bobby Witt Jr. was uh, just the second Royals player to do it. And so, yeah. Eric Davis was with the Tigers, what, 95, I want to say? Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, yeah. It was like one of his worst years. He actually came back and had a decent year. But yeah, Eric Davis had 37 home runs and 50 steals in 1987. But yeah, no, uh, you know, Howard Johnson was with the Tigers, but didn't do that with the Tigers. And uh, I mean, you're yeah, talking so in terms of like top top single season batting and, and putting in that department as far as. I mean, if you want to technically look at Ty Cobb, for example, Ty Cobb. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I was just thinking about the, the steals aspect because he stole a lot of bases, but he was never a 30-30 man. He, his best season with stolen bases was he, he stole 96 bases but hit three home runs in the dead ball era in 1915. <laughs> and Ian Kinsler did it twice with the Rangers before he came to the Tigers. Sheffield did not ever go 30-30. He had a 22-22. That was the best he ever did. But, yeah, it's a pretty rare club. And, and again, this is just a side tangent we got because I, I think that's probably – optimistic for for max clark but uh yeah if he does that i mean that's that's why they took him third overall right the ceiling is enormous if 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 people think he has that level of potential and can play center field you take that guy right it's uh it's just the way it goes yeah and the reason why i I wanted to mention the 30 for 30 thing 30 but 30 for 30 but but the 30 home runs 30 steel aspects is because tigers have had a lot of plotters if you will just Guys who the the guys who have, have provided power have been either first base or third base have been corner positions, so just worth mentioning. But yeah, so on our list here, you can see this is from a continuation from last night. The five tigers on the Athletics top one hundred list. So please subscribe to all those lists and check those out if you haven't already. I know some people are complaining that you know paywall issues and what have you, but here's a little list to help or a little. Uh, <laughs> Infographic, if you will, to help you out with that. Yeah, he has. He mentions Job has the number one starter upside, which is something we mentioned in the show. He talks about Colt Keith uh, being, you know, even if he has to move to first base down the line, he's a guy who could hit 280 to 300 with 25 to 35 home runs, so he'll have plenty of bat. He mentions Young as a guy who, you know, he, he's he's the sort of guy who could hit. What do you say? A 45 defender at second, if he's with 60 to 70 extra base hits, he's still an above average regular. So. He's a believer there. And with Meadows, he talks about um, he, he could uh, – he said big velocity might end up being his main weakness and the obstacle to him becoming a four-plus win player. Uh, that's what we talked about in the show, right? Like there's a there's a ceiling there. There's a Josh Outman ceiling where he's a four-win player and uh, not on many top 100 lists, which is kind of crazy. That is really crazy. So on that note, this is our, our supplement. So the regular show you're going to listen to after this, if you're on the audio side of things – just go over and continue on from our show from yesterday. If you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and if miss if you missed the show yesterday, it's right there on our on our podcast feed. So you can check that out 
if you missed anything and thanks to everybody who participated in there we had a couple of people who kept in our gofundme as well so thank you to yeah obk and larry love so thank oh, you thank to you larry those thank guys you. those guys have been fantastic some regular listeners on our sunday program so exquisite exquisite very absolutely positively and I don't have the sound drop on me. This it's is a, off the Frickers building. It's all good. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's off the Frickers building. It's spontaneous Monday here at the Tiger Mile Report. So thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. It's kind of a short little overview, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a good week, everybody. I'm Rahel Castillo. Alongside me, Chris Brown will be joining you shortly. Thank you for tuning in on a Sunday evening. Grammy night too, by the way. I did not realize there was a Grammys going on. For those who pay attention to those kind of things, not that I, it's not that I don't. I just, it's never. Even when I pay attention a lot to music, Grammys have been. I had a friend of mine who used to host Grammy parties. Just it was this, aka it was an excuse to party. So, yo, Jeremy, good to see you in here as well. And uh, shout out to friends over at the Erie Duels who had an extra. So you had the Tacoma Rainers hat that they got sent by mistake. I was in town for talking to Greg and seeing some folks out there and it's good to see him. And yeah, it was so now I have a Tacoma Rainers hat. It's all, it's not the, it's one of those flex fitted hats too. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm just beyond grateful to get stuff like this. So you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and, so uh, tonight we're going to be sharing the link to our GoFundMe. We're trying to get ourselves down to spring training as my, as we're almost like next week. Pitchers and catchers report. So, of course, the big game that's our next Sunday that's going on too, and that has football officially over and baseball officially underway. So, but yeah, so the Grammys are going on tonight. I don't know what else is going on sports or TV wise or anything, but. Plenty to get to. We'll be talking about the rankings as ESPN put the Tigers as their number three farm system. Also, we'll talk about the Baseball America rankings, too, as well. There's uh, there's quite a bit of discussion about that. We also, I mean, we talked about it a little bit briefly with Baseball Prospectus. And there's been also, yeah, the Caribbean Series. Thank you, Jeremy. That's I was going to say, Tigers own Trey Cruz, batting leadoff for Puerto Rico. And I watched a little bit tonight and uh or excuse me that little i'm sorry yesterday i watched a little bit of the puerto rico game and deadly ninja beast do not spoil anything for you're watching true detective if it scared you tonight i mean usually i'm gonna watch it probably after this so i'm not oh boy especially the way the last episode ended too it's just that it's been a good show but uh a couple takeaways too and we did during the motor city metrics podcast Talked a little bit about Colt Keefe's comments. And one of the things that I took away, too, that was something that I was talking to Greg about this on Friday in Erie, and his ability for the Tigers, for him, for the money so the Tigers can make acquisitions. For a 21, 22-year-old kid to think that way, that's not only good parenting. His mother, I, I like I said, I mentioned this, talked to his mom for a little while, but... That's just forward thinking. And I really, really took away from that. And, and take away the fact we've had Cole Keith on our list for a while and what have you. He's got a good head on his shoulders. And 
it's just good to see that. It's really good to see a kid think that progressively about how he wants. He wants to win, and he wants to win at all costs. And so, but uh, yes, Groundhog Day. Thank you, uh, Austin. That was part of our. We had it in our little uh, thumbnail. So good to see you here as well. Good to see Tyler as well. The Middle East forty plus league. I have no idea. What is that? I gotta. I don't know. I'm not sure what that is, but. Anyway, yeah, that was again, that was one of the takeaways from the con- press conference. That was a big one of the big things I took away. Another thing too that was really nice with, I mean, it was kind of unfortunate this year is that you kind of wish the Tigers did some sort of Tiger Fest. I mean, the White Sox did something, I believe Cleveland did something, but it would have been nice for the Tigers to have prospects out and about. All oh, the old pros. Oh, yeah, that's right, Tyler. I forgot about that league. Good call. I totally 100% forgot about that league. And I haven't seen anything on social media about it at all either. Did that draft take place in November or December, too, from my recollection? But, uh, yeah, I, I just getting back to the Tiger Fest thing, I really wish there would have been something for that because I think they would've, I think that would have been a big hit. But then again, the Lions being in the postseason, I think also perhaps maybe that's why the Tigers didn't do anything because – Tensions elsewhere, but if you held it on a day the Lions weren't playing in the playoffs, or even even the community events, usually they get the caravan together. They last year, for example, they were at Detroit Western as they were giving away gloves and uniforms, and they've helped out with some of the schools in the PSL. And I even see with something like that this year, so could be something coming up. I don't know, but I found that interesting because if you're going to be excited. About prospects in your future you think you want them out and about but anyway it's a small nitpick i'm not at the end of the day it doesn't really i've used the cliche I, by the way there's a great drinking game with how many times people use the shit use the phrase end of the day okay. end of the day is within five minutes at one of the, pre- at the presser well i'm trying to find the, the, the cliche use certain cliche Sorry, I, you were cutting out there. I don't know what I couldn't hear. Um, oh, well, let's talk about cliches, like the end of the yeah. day. How many times people use it? Well, at the end of the day, you know, cliches are just uh, a, a way for us to sum, uh, you know, summarize things. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, I'm i sure I have my own crutches. I think uh, yeah, you, amount, there's a usually drinking, say, there's yeah. A, there's a drinking game involved in it, isn't there? Well, yeah, I think you got a drink when I mentioned a city in Michigan. Uh, I don't remember what other ones. So. Yeah, there's a couple. There is a couple of them there too. So, we are putting in the link for a GoFundMe. If you had not donated already, any donations go back to what we do for the year. Like I guess we're trying to get down to Lakeland. I'm hopefully once I get some clearance from work. I'm not leaving the 15th to 16th, but again, every bit helps. So please. Is there donating? Our GoFundMe link is in YouTube. Or if you want to donate that or to our PayPal too as well, all that goes back to us. PayPal is just faster, I think. Um, less fees, I, I believe, as well. Either way, it doesn't matter. Every bit helps, and we thank you for your support. So we'll, we'll share the link as we go on. There's also our Super Chat feature too as well. If you want to do a Super Chat, ask a specific question that's going to be a detailed breakdown. Choose for books. So... Plenty of ways to donate and help us out. We, again, 
great all we're really appreciative of all the donations we have received so sure. uh, we were just talking about i was just kind of killing time here we came on about the before we talked to rankings and Col- the cold key press conference a little bit i know we talked about it on the podcast big time on thursday or on, rather tuesday so but for those who may have missed it well we can revisit that and also the grammys i mean have you ever have you Pay attention to the Grammys at all, Chris? Or I no? I had no idea that they were going on. I, I've you know if you're on Twitter, people are commenting on it a lot. So I see that uh, you know. First of all, I saw that you sent me the Killer Mike got arrested, which was very odd. Um, and then uh, Tracy Chapman showed back up to perform her old hit, and Taylor Swift has an album coming, and that's uh, like that's what I got from from the Grammys so far. Yeah, Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. That's a classic. I don't like the new version because country and yeah. him, i'm a big fan of country so I, I you know i just remember i remember that was uh, when it was an original hit uh i remember in living color making fun of it oh yeah I, I write if i had a song uh-huh. she's like but, looking at uh, the window trying to write everything she sees down yeah yeah but it's it's uh you know yeah it was uh it was a hit song back then and it's i don't know it's always interesting to hear songs when they have a new life from a new artist like supposedly you know it was at uh leonard cohen wrote hallelujah right and and could never quite get it right and it was you know it went through like a hundred different iterations and it didn't get popular until uh was it jeff buckley yeah jeff buckley did, did it, it. Yep. uh and and that, then it got popular after that and then people were like oh this is a great song so sometimes it's it's weird like that you know songs just need to sometimes they deserve another audience sometimes it just takes some other voice to uh to make it popular yeah and jeff buckley died a tragic death too I think so he dove into a river or something like that. He you was know, like, just swimming, like, and I think the riptide t- took him. I believe yeah. it was. So rip about- torn took him. It was unfortunate. <laughs> rip torn took him. Oh. All right. So here's the Detroit Tiger prospect rankings and just how among the publications, if you will. So actually, I'm going to do this a little differently. I'm not going. I'm going to put it in a window versus just uh, covering us. Gotcha. There's a better way to present these things. And and I don't think. Um... I don't know if Fangraphs has actually done their official. They haven't done all thirty teams yet this year, so I don't know if their team rankings are. You know, oh, what, okay. Because I was I was that, going by what last I saw, so that may be from last year. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I know that I don't think Long and Hagen was crazy about the system, uh, so it wouldn't shock me if they're in that range. And I expect them to be in that range, you know, if and when Keith Law does his uh, oh. his rankings because he has. Well, he just has a particular type of player he likes, and the Tigers never have that type of player. Yeah, ever. Although, I, what kind of player does he like? He just likes. I feel like it's he just likes. Uh, he likes Cleveland Guardians players uh, up the middle. You know, shortstops, second baseman, center fielders who can hit. The Tigers have, you know, I guess two of those, but uh, he wants them to be like you know plus defenders too. So that's really just Max Clark and Tiger system. So, but yeah, for whatever reason, Keith. There's always this, I guess, fan, Tiger fans doesn't, Tiger fans believe that Keith Law doesn't like the Tigers, but right. in reality, I, I, I think I mean, every system thinks that Keith Law doesn't like their, it, it's, yeah. it's just one of those things where he, if you do this for long enough, you pick up on what, what certain evaluators like, what, what they like about players, what they're looking for in a system, what they think works. So, uh, and that's just, that's always been the way with the Tigers is they've never really had those <laughs> up the middle players, right? Like it's always corner bats or you know pitchers that with relief risk so i don't know i, I don't want to prejudge maybe he'll uh be high on them as well we'll see yeah he might he might change his tune is all we know and there's also these 
you've been doing this we've been doing this for so long you start hearing things about how people evaluate prospects and yeah all that stuff and so we've heard some things interesting things about how Keith law does evaluate so or lack of but either way i i still think he's a trusted source and i digress but yes let's go into the baseball america one as they've this is the highest they've been the second highest they've been or the highest they've been in what, 40 plus years is that right well they were i think they were number five two years ago right it was uh the year that they had scooble mize manning torkelson and green all in the top 25 but that was um, they've been number five you know again they've never been higher than number five so yeah i think that that is tied for the highest ranking they've had ever since baseball america started doing this and that's significant progress for and it's all really not just fluff and we've had there's a couple of people out there i'm not gonna say names but on social who have just been kind of you guys are uh drinking the kool-aid and and blah 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 look when we've gone to 50 plus games every year for the last three years we've watched a ton of games and i don't think in the duration of doing this have we ever been bootlickers if you will or whatever we just call it the way we see it we did it i mean for we, we forgot to sell nick quintana his errors and he recently retired yeah, that's and, one of the first videos we ever made was yeah. uh, <laughs> all his errors. That was uh, that was a bummer. Um, that's funny. No, I, 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 you know, it's we have some some good questions later on about. Uh, well, hey, all right, thank you. I, assuming you're talking about me and not the musician, uh, but the the process. There's a good question about like how organizations do this, how they come up with organization like you know talent rankings for their farm systems. And we can get into that later, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, everybody's entitled to their own opinions. Right. And if they think that right. we're being uh, too rah, rah, that's fine. I, we, we've talked about this before, right. Where we, we only post highlights from the minor league account because that's what people want to see every, you know, like once or twice a year, we'll be like, here's, here's one of your favorite prospects striking out just cause uh, and, and that's not us just like, but, but I think we try to do a pretty good job of, uh, we definitely try to do a, a job, a good job of being accurate and talking about the players' strengths and weaknesses when we do our scouting reports. Right? It's uh, and you know, there's nothing wrong with being excited about the current crop of prospects in their system. Now, two of them are going to graduate pretty quickly, right? Uh, assuming health, we're going to get Parker Meadows. Uh, it only needs about ten more at bats, I think, to graduate out of part of prospect status, and Colt Keith will be out of there, and you know, by the second week of may probably at the latest so that's going to affect the system but we talk about this all the time anytime you see a system ranking it's it's just a, a snapshot of that specific time and uh i don't know I, I i think we can get too positive if you want but like i don't know how else we're supposed to describe these players because you know we're, we're pretty cautious with max clark but if everything clicks with max clark he's he's got multi all-star upside as a center fielder with, you know, with, with five tools, really. Uh, and if, you know, if Jackson Job keeps along this path, he's got legitimate number two, even ace stuff. Uh, I mean, it's you're talking about some of the, the, the best pure stuff in all of professional baseball, uh, he has. And, and so he just needs to get more innings. 
And, you know, Parker Meadows could be one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball, could be the best defensive center fielder the Tigers have had since Austin Jackson. All of this is true. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but, like, I don't know what else you're supposed to do when when the certain number of players they have right now have this level of talent. We're not just going to deliberately down them because the odds are that not everybody's going to work out. We, we have to tell everybody about their ceiling, and we tell them about their flaws, too. At least that's my opinion. And that's the same way I feel about it. I mean, it's... I think the way I look at it, here's where I, th- I think it's different than it was in the past. Case in point, sorry, Gibson Long, okay? Mm-hmm. Sorry, Gibson Long comes over as, you know, Ray, trust me, man. It's the same. I, he says in the chat, for someone to think you guys are only drinking the Kool-Aid is weird to me. Well, I know. Yeah, I know. There, there are certain people who are just just cynics about everything, and yeah. and just it, it, they're gonna. I guess how I used to be about the Lions, right? Yeah, <laughs> like just assumed uh, without any real evidence that everything's gonna suck because that's the way it's been. But without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, anyway. So I look at a guy like Sawyer Gibson Long. Okay, he comes over, and when we first saw him, it, nothing, I mean, we'll be honest, it was just nothing that really stood out at first. And he just put up. He was just a guy that seemed like he was eating innings. And at some point last year, it suddenly changed. The Tigers worked with him, and he became a pitcher. He went from a, maybe a career, I want to say career minor league, I don't want to say that, but a guy maybe that could have been a bullpen guy at some point to a, wow, holy crap, that guy could actually be a starter in the big leagues. Yeah, that is the difference. I'm sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, I, I mean, just to, to your point, and we've mentioned this before, I mean, we didn't have him in our top 30 prospects, I don't think, uh, maybe not even to begin 2023. No. Uh, the Tigers did not protect him from the Rule 5 draft. Nobody took him in the Rule 5 draft. So and that's, yeah, and, and, you know, we talked to, when we talked to Sawyer, he, he talked about all the stuff he did to work on it, and 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 then Garko mentioned that, yeah, you know, that's on the player. Like, it, it's, they're the ones who have to go out and do it, but the Tigers organization has given their players a lot more resources and, and I think a lot more detailed plans and explanations of what can work and, and how. And it just, yeah, it this two straight years, really, where we've seen this happen with a bunch of different players. And uh, so it's becoming a pattern, I think. And, and that's and it's now reflected in these rankings. Although, I, I mean, we can get to it a little bit later, but don't, I mean, don't forget, <laughs> the Tigers picked at the top of the draft for many, many years. Right. And a lot of a lot of the talent here is a result of that. That's just the, the truth of it. I mean, they've had two number three picks. Uh, they've had a couple other players. Meadows is basically, they were able to get him because they had the number one pick and had extra money. And uh, you can say that, you know, McGonagall is a guy that they they were able to get because they had extra money too. So, yeah, it's, there's development and there's also just picking at the top of the draft. Also, but I will say this, if there's one thing that you can say that plays in the development, our guys, like like I said, with sort of gives along in mind. But Justice Bigby comes to mind. This is a guy who, in and Kerry Carpenter, both late. I mean, both what nineteen round draft picks. Mm-hmm. You're looking at now 
the, the that 2020 draft class right now. I think it's a, it's the uh, Bigby was 21, Carpenter was 2019. Yeah, 2019. It's a 20. It's a 2019 class, right? Or what's yeah. the class that's been? So, so 2019 was the the Riley Green, uh, Quintana, Lipsius. Lipsius, Kreidler, but also uh, Brisky and Brendan White, and uh, there may be somebody else in there. And then 2020 was the the COVID year, so that's Torque and Keith. And then 21 is Job, Madden, Pacheco, Herder, Dylan Smith, Justice Bigby, Josh Crouch, uh, R.J. Pettit. Uh, they, they had a bunch of different guys. I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple others, but yeah, they they uh, they had some pretty good drafts in there. Yeah, and, and look at here's the 2019 draft. Like I mentioned with Brisky, look, some of these guys are not exactly you know, Bo Brisky's not exactly a household name. I get it, but if there's one thing Detroit has been able to do that they weren't able to do in the past is get production. I mean, you look at some draft classes. I mean, I can go back to what's the look at let's just look at the 20s. 17 draft class here for a minute because I, I have that pulled up right now. That's uh, you have Fido I mean, best. Yeah, that's it. I mean, but even then, Fido's still on that whether or not he's going to contribute or not. I mean, Ray Riviera, Joe Morgan, Gio Rivera, gone. Sam McMillan, gone. Dave Myers made a couple made a couple cup cup of coffee appearance with the Marlins. Brad Bass gone. Max that's Green. Although, although there's a good story about Max Green that came out today, or Max Green's actually throwing again and. Throwing effectively, so it's good to hear. Was was twenty seventeen the John Schreiber draft or was that sixteen? That was sixteen because uh, okay. Drew Carlton came out of the seventeen class too. Gotcha. Um, yeah, the Max Green. Yeah, it was that was cool to see. Uh, you know, he was always he's always been great to, to us. I, I'm sure we told it before, but it never hurts to tell it again. It, we in our in our original iteration of the Tigers minor league report when we were working with Keenan and we were working with James Shipman, uh, we interviewed Max Green. And something went wrong. We talked to him for like 45 minutes. Something went wrong, and, and we had to interview him again. And he was 100% game and, and talked about all the same stuff the next day and didn't, you know, no winks and nods that we'd already talked about this. He was just an awesome kid. And, uh, and you know, he had a really good arm. And it was always a matter of like, you know, trying to find the, that breaking ball. And, uh, and just good to see that he's, he's still – he hasn't given up because, you know, when you've got that arm, you might as well give it every chance you get and, until you can't do it anymore. So – that was good to see. Yeah, definitely. And he's been some of the injuries he's had too that overcomes some of the injuries just to have that velocity. And Larry, Larry's comment in YouTube: this team would be screwed without Avila's drafting. I mean, <laughs> I frankly, I mean, it, I, well, I okay, yes and no, but I also don't think I, I think Ryan Garko does not get enough credit here, folks. I mean, if your G, if Scott Harris has been saying that too, Scott Harris has been pretty adamant about that, but. It is night and day. It, it to me. I'll give you an example, okay? Remember when we were starting going out to West Michigan in 2018, 2019? I would say even 2017. I go back to venture that far. When you go to a ball, when you go to West Michigan, and we were going primarily West Michigan. We weren't really going to Erie at the time. Maybe I don't think we started going to Erie until like 28, maybe 2019, 2020, or I think it was after COVID we went. No, no, yeah, no. I think, it's, I think it would have been 21. Is it 21? I think that was the first time. Yeah. um, Yeah. Because you guys went from West Michigan to Erie, I think. Oh, yeah. That's right. That was the, and then that was when they had the old parking lot in Erie. Remember that parking lot that was across the street? And now when we went back, it was gone. Yeah. Yeah. So that's right. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was a, that was a weekend of, yeah. That's how hardcore we've been going at it. But uh, anywho, it was right. Yeah. It was right around then. 
when you go down there, there wasn't really it was kind of it was kind of like a weird atmosphere in the clubhouse between going to Toledo, going to West Michigan. And, you know, you talk to Parker. We have our first ever interviews with Parker Meadows. Others, just, you know, and he was basically outlining what the Tigers told him. It's like, play your game, da, 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 da. And we talked to Lance Parrish, same thing. It was like this gathering. It wasn't data-driven. It was like putting stuff in in the Caesar system, but we weren't seeing what we see today, which is guy. we see Tiger guys out there collecting data, using yeah. tools. Like we saw, we started seeing a little bit with when Andre Lipsius came to West Michigan and they had that sensor at the end of the yeah. bat. Blast motion, yeah. Blast motion, but that was it. I mean, but then when Garko came, it was like, all of a sudden when Garko came, it was a total different, just a completely different vibe when you walk into the ballpark. And I'm, I'm not saying like vibe, but visually speaking, you can see the changes right away in terms of how they had their their structure with player development, in terms of uh, just the, the, little, the little things you weren't noticing before, but all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, that's different. They're actually doing this or – or that and so that's before Scott Harris gets a lot of credit. They have, yeah, as Denley just said, he said it best. They have a unified direction now, and I think yeah. Garko, not because he's been on our podcast, but I think Garko, we've been, we've been, I mean, Ryan Garko deserves a lot of credit, in other words. Yeah, I mean, they, they've they've modernized the development aspect of it. That was that was what was lacking before, like you know. Scouts are scouts. They're, they're, they're going to see things in guys. They're going to see things that, that they think will work in pro ball. And, you know, the, the 2016, 2017, 2018 drafts weren't all that great. You get, you know, Mize and Meadows in 2018 is pretty solid. Uh, and then, you know, they, they had a couple of pretty good drafts in a row. But even if you go back to 2020, you know, Torkelson has has had success at the big league level. And Colt Keith, you know, we think is, is going to be pretty damn good. But the four guys in between there, all kind of suffer from the same issue in that they can't really hit. Uh, and I'm not trying to be mean, but you know, Dingler, Workman, Cruz, and Daniel Cabrera, none of them have really hit uh, for average above, you know, high A ball. And there's only so much the development staff can do. And, and so misses like that are on the, uh, on, on the drafting. So, and I, I shouldn't say misses just yet, right? Like, we, we still think that Dingler's got a chance to be a solid backup, and, and who knows, guys might take steps forward. But so the, it's you really want, and, and I think what to, to Deadly Ninja Bees things is the unified direction now is that now you have those scouts and the, the development staff working uh, in unison. And I think the deve- development staff probably has more say in drafting uh, now than they did before. And so we see these kind of, you know, they're able to go out and give each player in the organization a, a kind of a detailed, personalized plan for them. And, you know, when, when ki- kids have direction, sometimes they take off. And, and we talked about uh, you know, Justice Bigby. We mentioned him. They they knew he hit the ball hard. He had this innate skill. And they just worked with him to lift it a little bit more. And and the result was a kind of a breakout season for him. So more, more line drives and fewer ground balls. And there you go. But, uh, you know, it's not always that easy. But but they they've given themselves these incremental improvements, and that's one of the big reasons the farm system has moved up because you see guys like Montero, Olson, Gibson. Like Olson doesn't count for the the the, uh, the farm system now, but Brent Herter. All these guys have made improvements over the last two years, and and you know when when that happens to a dozen different guys, suddenly the farm system ranking goes up. And with Workman, we've seen this firsthand. 
he had him swinging from the left side, correct? Exclusively. Yeah, he, he abandoned he abandoned right-handed swinging, yes. Yeah. And they were going back and forth with the swing mechanics, back and forth. We spent some time. It was the first time we've heard the word, the phrase Detroit Tigers or Tigers uh, Development Squad. Yeah, the, devel- the development list, yes. Yeah, the development list. And that was basically now it's been the way I interpret it. And this is the way I interpret it. It's code for this is your last chance, pretty much, or else you're gone. I mean, because Eric De La Cruz comes to mind. There's a couple other players that hit that list, and as soon as they weren't figuring it out, I mean, Daniel Cabrera was on the list for quite some time this last year. Yeah, it's it's you know I think that they part of it is is the the weird roster, like the roster total number of uh, what I don't remember it's a domestic reserve roster or something like that, and the total number of players you could have is is greater than the number you can roster on four full season teams. And then, you know, the rookie leagues, but that's going down. So I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how much we'll see the developmental list uh, soon, but yeah, I think sometimes it's just kind of a, a, a way to stash a guy for a little bit, right. Until you can get uh, the rosters correct at every level. But yeah, I, I generally speaking, I don't think it's a great place to be. If you're on the developmental list, it's, it's, they're working with you to try to really change something. And uh, a lot of times it might be like a last gasp. Yeah, and that's where it happened with, uh, technically, too, with Lyle Lockhart. I remember when we interviewed him, the Dodgers, and they were basically mm-hmm. saying, we're going to put you on a development list, and we'll give you a nice parting gift. And he said, no, I'll find greener yeah. pastures elsewhere. Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, and sometimes it is just a new set of eyes you need or another uh, another chance to get out of a particular league and get into a different one. So, but... so the the ESPN one, Kylie McDaniel is very very complimentary of the Tigers. They, they come in at number three, so you have Job Clark, Job at number ten, Clark at number fifteen, he coming in at number forty, Meadows coming in at number forty five, which was a surprise to some. Young coming in at thir- sixty three, and McGonagall coming in at ninety five. And my key takeaway with what what Kylie McDaniel said, and I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit, but just depth. It's their actual depth to the system, and it's just not like a, a whole pitcher thing. But it is players who are, are who are really good at making contact. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of uh, things have have changed kind of rapidly in that regard, where they suddenly they have a bunch of interesting bats, um, you know. And and I think you know what was cool about. Uh, Kyle McDaniel's list is, as you mentioned, the you know Parker Meadows. Not only is he on it, but he's a top fifty prospect to to, to Kelly McDaniel, where he's not on any other list. And I, I mean, I, we've talked about it before. I think Meadows absolutely deserves to be a top one hundred prospect, uh, and and you know, <laughs> probably top fifty. Honestly, I, I uh, and and Kylie mentioned basically, it's it's really not that hard to see him putting up a two three war season, just just if he hits a little. And we've talked about that. And I think you can go look at, at Josh Outman's numbers last year. Uh, I mean, that's that might be like a 95th percentile outcome for Parker Meadows, but they're pretty similar. Like Outman, I think, hit like 20 home runs or, you know, 16 home runs, stole 20 bases, played good defense in the outfield. He walked like a 12% clip and hit like 240 and struck out like 31% of the time and was like a four and a half win player. So when when you've got the speed and the defense and the raw power, that Parker Meadows does, I think, yeah, I mean, I think the floor is really high and I think the ceiling is pretty substantial too. So it was nice to see him have him on there. And, uh, and then, yeah, he, he picked 
McGonagall as a guy that he's his, sort of his pick to click, right? He, uh, one of these younger guys who hasn't played much, but he really likes to profile. Um, and one of the more interesting things is, is the, you know, uh, Longenhagen at Fangraphs calls McGonagall a no doubt shortstop. And uh, he's basically the only person in in the industry, I think, who says that. So it'll be very interesting to see if McGonagall does stick at shortstop for the long term. Yeah, there was a, it was interesting too, because Abe Ajak, who's a guy who on Twitter, he's a, you can tell he's an engineer because it's very black and white, the way he speaks sometimes. And I, I have a mutual, I, I have respect for him because he try, he does correct me and, and rightfully so, because somebody needs to be corrected. And then I'm wrong from time to time. But one of the things he mentioned, that's a good piece of uh, hidden right there. That was a good piece of hidden. He was talking about McGonagall's numbers not to be you know just looking at the stat line and i informed him well look i didn't i just didn't look at the stat line for his age he's doing pretty well was his exit velocity where it needs to be no i mean he was i think 80 46 or i think it was 80 40 i'm sorry i think average 86 yeah yeah so that's all i'm saying was he had an impressive debut for his age right out of high school so i don't i don't know what else you want no any any time remember we you know, we thought it was pretty spectacular that Riley Green made it to low A uh, the year he was drafted back in 2019. You know, we went out and saw him and interviewed him because it had been a long time since a high schooler had been drafted and made it to low A that season. And uh, yeah, or was it high A? Was that high A? I'm no, it was, it was low, no, it was no, it was low. It was low A because was it, okay. Yeah, that was low A. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it had been a long time, and, and and to see that you know Clark and McGonagall and Brasenio all kind of made it in their first full pro year. Uh, I guess Brasenio had a, a year in the summer league before that, but yeah, I, I think you it, you know it's different now. There's no New York Penn League, so some guys are getting pushed. But I think it's uh, it's a great sign that he he hit well and he walked and uh, he you know made it to full season ball and didn't seem to be too bothered by it. And he's a guy that we were you know, we pretty strong belief in the bat. So. It's nice to see him get into some of these top 100 lists. Yeah, and if I am surprised about, I'm not gonna lie, I'm surprised rather about the shortstop. But I shortstop that he's gonna be no doubt a shortstop, no doubt shortstop. But I haven't seen enough of him on the field to even draw that conclusion as of yet. So I'm interested to see where he starts to start the season. And I think if the way the way it sounds or way been the 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 I don't know, the rumor mills or however you want to say it, the way that things have been been hearing is that potentially we could see some stacked teams this year. And so that might be a case where he starts a year in Lakeland for all we know, despite well, the fact that he might, you know, his numbers maybe indicate he could start the year at West Michigan. Yeah. I mean, and, and that is one of the things I, you know, we, we talk about these farm system rankings and a lot of it, whenever companies do this or organizations do this a lot of it has to do with the the guys in the top right the, the top 100 types and the tigers have universally uh to three top 50 players uh, and most of the time you see them in the top 30 so that's gonna make your system look pretty damn strong no matter what but then it is the depth and, and we actually a number of the questions we got were kind of touching on that and it's something we talked about before but we can go over it again uh because it, it is it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out so yeah, we'll get the question. I'm sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, I, I didn't know if you wanted to get to the questions now or if you had anything more you wanted to say about the lists. Uh, as far as the lists go, by the way, the only other thing I wanted to add was the baseball prospectus one, too, because that's also been 
mm-hmm. from from a history standpoint, not quote unquote favorable to Tigers, but it's the same group of players. Joe comes in at 17th, Colt or Keith at 22, Clark at 24, Young at 66, and McGoggle comes at 79. Yeah. So that was actually the big difference among the list there was McGoggle came in on their top one, 101. Jackson Holiday, by the way, of Baltimore was number one on majority of these lists. White Langford coming in at number two. Of course, uh, Paul, actually, Paul Skeens came down at number nine on this list. And so James Woods, James Wood, who I, uh, that's a big fan. I'm a big fan of his game. Who's in double A, had mashed the ball last year for Harrisburg for the for the Nationals. It's good to see him. Dylan that, Cruz probably up there yeah. too. Yeah, there's Dylan Cruz. There's Evan Carter back up there, and of course the, the you know Baltimore's like you know what screw it we're just gonna put another infielder in here. Kobe Mayo comes in at number fifteen, and he's also been ranked up high in premium lists as well. Kobe Mayo is, is a lot like Colt Keith. Uh, maybe has more raw power, so it's kind of wild. Yeah, Andrew, there's the, the amount of data last year we collected on Parker Meadows just mashing the ball between at, at Toledo is astonishing. It's just he, I mean, everything was just like just missile, 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 and it goes back to the year before and year two is just some of the data we yeah. did. Was just, yeah, no, he's got he's got easy plus raw power for sure. It's uh, and he hits a lot of really hard line drives. It's I've talked about it before. Uh, he just needs to swing more, but uh, maybe he won't. Maybe he knows to, to to have success. He has to swing the the amount he's swinging right now. But it's just one of those things where it appears that if he swung more, he might, uh, you know, hit two fifty with even more power. But we'll see. All right. So let's get to the questions. So we'll get. There's a one question that was emailed in, and it was from. I'm going to pronounce his name incorrectly again. I know it. The question I forwarded you, Chris. I think um, it's Keon. Is that his name? <clears throat> Keon, yeah, Keon. And uh, he writes in, "Hey, Tigers, ML report. First, first off, Chris has been doing some shows recently, but I hope he's been feeling a lot better every day and, and episodes as we go along. Feels like a whole bunch of folks have been getting sick wherever you guys are. So, hope Chris and everyone are feeling good. They're entering a promising season of Tigers baseball. So, his first question. And thank you for checking in, on Chris. We actually had somebody else too, Mary, uh, Mrs. Uh, Cole Q's mom was interested in how Chris was doing. She was asking, wait, wait Chris hasn't been on the podcast. Is he okay? And yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's good to, good to hear that. No, yes, I'm fine. Thank you, everybody. I, I had COVID. I got over, I got on the Paxlovid. I got, you know, I was tested negative for COVID within like four days, but my symptoms last for like two, three more days, but I was good. Now my son has had a regular old cold for like 10 days now, um, but uh, he's, he's mostly okay. So thank you. Moms love the pod. Bombs on the pod. And old BK, I like this too. It will be interesting how Baltimore ownership has will impact it because they might Baltimore, you know what? The new ownership might bring back the days of Baltimore domination in the 70s and 80s when the the Orioles used to have farm systems. And it was just, I mean, I'm sorry, starting in the late 60s all the way until probably mid 80s. Baltimore's just churning them out farm system. It's just, it was just, they had pitching, they always had some sort of hitting. It's just, it's crazy the development that Baltimore had and we're able to far to harvest that and, and turn it into a consistent power in the American league for quite a long time. So let's get into this question here. His first question. What is the narrative or how did you explain to someone not following the Tigers minor league system, how Detroit managed to improve their farm system? And I think he, he mentioned the quote tree that I had for uh, one of our cynical 
uh, fans on Twitter. And so he said, wanted to ask what changed anecdotally. What do you think of the minors? The first team soft top of my head are Baltimore, Dodgers, Tampa, Milwaukee. So this is, he was talking about some of the environmental changes. I, I, I will say, I think we, we mentioned this earlier, the way to develop pitching, the way they, they, every, every pitcher has some sort of process to it. They, they look at them and say, Hey, what pitch, what pitch can you pitch or bring back? something they haven't brought back before and they, and they will maximize their arms as much as possible. That is a big difference from then saying, Hey, pitch your game and do whatever or nutrition thing. Just, Hey, you know what? We're not giving you hot and ready. We're going to give you a, uh, you know, a way or I don't know. I'm trying to think of a Caesar salad with actual chicken. That's not chicken from a gas station or because I've seen those things. Those chicken, Mm -hmm. uh, Packs of chicken you can get at 7 Eleven now, apparently. So, uh, yeah, Stan, printing player guys in Spanish, common sense things. The thing that blows my mind is Alavila has Cuban roots to him. Okay. His father came from Cuba. You would think that you would have these guides. And I'm not even mad. I just don't, I'm just slightly confused about that. So, um, but yeah, there was a, I do, <laughs> Scott Harris running, running things is just a hologram, a holograph. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know there are a couple things that, that kind of, again, these prospect rankings are, are really just like a moment in time in, in you know, what or, uh, team organizations think of these, these teams talent. And we, I think if you go back a year ago, you'll hear us say that we thought that everybody was underrating the Tiger system because nobody had Colt Keith as a top 100 prospect. Uh, I don't think Jackson Job was a top 100 prospect anymore because he had kind of a rough professional debut. Wilmer Flores, I think, was on one or two top 100s, which is kind of odd because when we think about it, he was one of the few players last year who didn't really take a step forward. Uh, and Jace Young might have been on a list or two, but basically they, they didn't have any Tigers prospects on the top 100 list. And what happened was, uh, Colt Keith went out and did exactly what we thought he would do, which was murder the ball for a full year and, and you know, make himself a top 50 prospect. He'd, he'd been up to, I think he was moving in the top 50 by the middle of the season. Jackson Job took this huge developmental leap, right, where I, I don't know if we were expecting that even based on his first season, but he went out and he got hurt, and then he went out and improved the shape of his fastball. He added a cutter. He threw nothing but strikes. His changeup got better. Uh, the, it, it just, you know. Huge development all across the board. Jace Young did not have a good professional debut. Only hit one home run. Hit, what, like 230? So people were a little bit iffy about him, including us. He went out and hit 27 home runs this year, or 28 home runs, right? Like, so, you know, a, a lot of it is the, the kids went out and performed. They kind of met their 80th, 90th percentile development program. So that, that I think, has a huge uh, – is, is part of the explanation, right? And then you add the number three pick in the draft and, and kind of, you know – arguably the best draft since 2011 or maybe 2005, at least at the top of the draft. Uh, and so you, you got fortunate there and you hit on Max Clark. And then there are people who like your second pick in McGonagall, right? So, so you add talent in the draft. And then meanwhile, as we talked about, Sawyer Gibson Long makes improvements. Brent Herter makes improvements. Ty Madden is, is improving incrementally. All these guys that they've added over the last three or four years, for the most part, they all improved slightly to a lot. So, that's, I, I don't know if there's a, 
and we, we've talked about what they've done, you know, in the nutrition and the uh, individualized plans, but, uh, you know, the players went out there and did it. And that's the main thing, right? That's that's how they got to be a better system is the players went out there and proved themselves. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, and that's that's right there. The metric that matters is right is what exactly just said, Chris. And they filter out a lot of players from here and there that were not performing. But this is an example. Jackson Job went out against a team that was in the playoff contention in Richmond. It's got a couple prospects in there. Went out and just oh well, he got screwed on that. That was a bad call, by the way. He went yeah, out both there. Both of those pitches were very good pitches. Uh, he yeah. located uh, right on the the outside black, and you didn't get the calls, but that's you're in double A. As far as what, here's the thing, I, I'm as far as what the only thing that Harris has done, you can sit there and, and and Larry brings up a good point. What has Harris done differently than than Alvila? Well, I'll tell you this much. It's Ryan Garko. I'll say it again. <laughs> like it, it really, really is Ryan Garko <clears throat> that. What what it is is that it's been part of just a, a uniform plus policy. When we heard, I mean, we've heard about how the the, the analytics guys and, and or even when they were talking about drafting, they had a certain way they wanted to go about it. And the, the old guard being Avila overran it, or whatever the case was, Avila. It was a little too, as Chris and Chris has said this numerous times, and it was basically Avila waited. It was too little, too late as far as letting guys like the other, the, the younger guys, or even people like Garko do their job. It was too little, too late, and as a result of that. But what Harris has done is just basically put these guys together, like-minded people, and that's what he's done. I mean, it, as far as more impact, we're not going to see that for another two years or maybe a year or two. But as far as getting stuff like the food, nutrition, and then even the Lake Lakeland dormitory and everything that hasn't been done since the 70s this is you know ladies and gentlemen that's bad okay the tigers have not had updated facilities in quite some time and they were getting passed by over and over again so if you want it that that's a big deal because to me and or rather to let's say you're a prospect right and you're assuming you're about to get drafted by the tigers and you go and realize that they don't have the pro- like you're you're used to all this state of our technology. Say you went to a school like an SEC school or whatever the case is, where you have this kind of upgraded systems. The Tigers weren't weren't even even doing that a few years ago. So that's not all Harris. That's just a, m- a matter of the Tigers catching up to things. And Bass, I completely agree with you. you. Can't grade him yet at all. There's no way you can do it. But there's been some things he's done, and whether it's a Vila. But I'm just going to say it. I'm going to just keep sticking to my guns about this. Garko, because it's just he brought in yeah, players, I, you know, evaluators, too, that were that were part of the same process. The guy, the some of the pitching people they brought in. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably largely an acceleration of what Garko wanted to do or started to do under Avila. I think Scott Harris probably had a better understanding of what needed to happen and what resources they needed. 
and expanded that. And I think there's probably a little bit more accountability and, and frankly, paying more attention to what's going on at all these levels and keeping an eye on these guys and their development. Uh, but yeah, they, the only thing we can really say so far, and actually I don't, we, we can't really, cause it's only been one draft, but the change in the draft this year signified a little bit. They were willing to take a little bit more risk on high school players uh, and their upside. And also they seem to really target guys uh, who could play defense up the middle and hit the ball for the most part. Like almost everybody they drafted is, is a hitter. You know, he's got a proven track record of hitting and uh, play somewhere up the middle. Uh, I think Carson Rucker might have been the only player who was actually listed as a, a third baseman, not a shortstop, second baseman, center fielder. But, uh, but yeah, time will tell. Uh, if uh, we'll see again, if they do it again this year, then they will have a pattern. But it may have just been that the you know the twenty twenty three draft was uh, filled with a lot of hitters that they liked. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it is a as far as the facilities go. The door, I was referring to the dorm there, Larry, but I'm saying even I'm talking the Tigers, one of the last teams when they were had the required, I think it was five or six teams in the nineties. The Tigers were one of the last teams to do so, and just. They were always kind of penny pitching when they when they had to. That's it's a totally different thing. That's a it, the past, the past. But either way, I don't. I, whether it's a vila, it's a combination of everybody at this point. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to just sit there and go, well, it's all Harris. And, and yeah, yeah, you know, you, yeah. you do have to. I mean, most of these players were drafted by Alavila or acquired by Alavila, so you, you give him some credit there. But uh, he's not around anymore, so we're talking about the new regime. Yeah, because that's going to be. I think that's something you know. It, it, I I understand where Larry's coming from though, and I respect I respect that. And I don't. And look, I mean, we can't pretend that Avila didn't do anything. And that's that that that's the narrative that kind of makes me mad sometimes. Is when yeah, people are like, "Well, well, he was a bumbling idiot. Cut it out. He was in baseball was just, for forty plus years. Come on, it was just all too late. It was all yeah. too late. This stuff, you know, should have happened three four years before it did, and and that's what got him eventually. We talked about it before. The original sin that that Verlander that JD Martinez trade, you know, not getting really any contributors other than Jake Rogers out of that. Um, you know, some of that's bad luck. Some of it is, I don't know. You, you just have to. We always talk about it, like uh, you know, the the heart of what made the Tigers a contender from 2006 to 2014, 2015 was the trades that Dave Dabrowski made. You know, signing Pudge, signing Maglio was big, and later on they were able to sign you know Prince Fielder, Victor Martinez, and you know, having a handful of homegrown all-stars and Verlander and Granderson and in Avila was, was big, but ultimately it was Dave Dabrowski making awesome trades. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. traded for Guillen, traded for Polanco, traded for, uh, you know, Max Scherzer and uh, Austin Jackson, traded for Doug Fister, Annabelle Sanchez, Johnny Peralta, Iglesias, like all, you know, so many key players were traded for and, and Alavila's trades didn't work out like that. And that's why they failed. The Tigers yeah. were, you know, went, went down the drain. Yeah, just a bad, yeah. So, so let's move on to the, so we got some, so we did get a couple questions. And so one came in from Cameron, and the first one came, was, do you think the leftovers from the rotation competition, Olsen, Sir Gibson Long, Wilmer Flores, be in the Tigers' bullpen, or do you think they'll keep them stretched out in the AAA rotation? I will say this, just based on some indications, I think there's going to be, I think Toledo and you're, you're gonna Toledo and you're gonna be stacked this year as far as rotations go. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, there's an element of 
I mean, we've talked about this before that, that there's there's a lot of depth now. There you, you could go seven deep in starters at the major league level, I think, pretty easily. And uh, these things tend to work themselves out. Somebody's going to get hurt. Maybe multiple people get hurt. But generally speaking, I think it's better to keep your starters stretched out because you're going to need them later in the season, right? So you, you send them down to Toledo and you have them start. You have them get some innings because you can always use a guy for one inning, right? You can always go, all right, we need somebody in the bullpen. Let's use one of our starters. It's a lot harder to go down and say, hey, we only have bullpen guys. Uh, we need somebody to get innings. Uh, so and I know maybe, you know, the argument is that they have enough starter depth that they can afford to put like Flores and Olsen and stuff like that. But, but I don't think you want to do that. I think, I mean, maybe Flores, I think Olsen, you want to stick with them as a starter. Same with, with Gibson Long for now. Uh, you know, Flores and Montero are question marks there because I, I think with Montero, especially, and we talked about this before, I think this stuff might be able to play in a big league bullpen right now. I mean, the command is a little bit loose, but uh, he, he's, a, but again, that's another guy that, that he could be a, a solid you know, mid rotation number four starter. And, and that's pretty valuable. So if you want to keep developing him that way, they probably should. So yeah, I think uh, Rogelio is right. I think we're going to see we're going to see a couple big leagues, big leaguers starting in Toledo, and probably a, a, a number of guys in Erie who who could theoretically be in Toledo, you know, sticking around. It's it's going to have an effect all the way down uh, the ladder, maybe even down to, to Lakeland, where guys could be in a level above, but there's you know they got to get their innings. And there is a thing too with, and it kind of leads to the next question, which was Stan's question on Twitter, which was, you see Hernandez, you talk about Winkill Hernandez and Carlos Pena moving up to double A Erie on opening day roster from West Michigan. And that's that, you know, honestly, I mean, if you're going to put, I would think no, only because here's why you're going to have melt. You're going to probably more likely have Melton and Job in addition to likely some of the guys that are left over from last year in that rotation. Not sure who, but there's going to be a good chance. And so if either they decide that, Winkiel can go in the bullpen. Sure. I could see maybe starting the season in Erie. But as far as Pena goes, the same thing. Like, but Pena, I don't think has he's not a, like he's not a power lefty. So is he gonna be a swingman? You know, who knows? I mean, that's such the tigers how they're gonna see that role. So I don't know. It's I, I personally think Stan, they might spend the start the season at West Michigan, eventually moving up to Erie. If Job if I mean they've already mentioned Job possibly hitting the majors this year, so so let's say Job just gets off to a toward certain Erie, then I think by within a month or two you can see one of those guys go up to Erie. Yeah, and and it's also I, I think um, one of the things we need to remember is is what they've kind of instituted the last couple of years is is they're really strict about their innings limits for their starters for the first few months of the year. So la last year I think it was four innings and 60 pitches, maybe, maybe four and 70 through the first month, through all of April, nobody went more than four innings. And one of the uh, side effects of that is that you can kind of do tandem starts, at least on, you know, the, the, I guess the Tuesday, Sunday start where you'll have one guy go four and the other guy go three, and then you, you switch them around the next time. So they'll, they'll have some leeway in that regard to begin the year. Uh, but yeah, again, it's it's just going to be this thing where there's going to be uh, kind of a domino effect. If you know, it's not going to happen. But if everybody at the big league level stays healthy, then you're going to have big leaguers pitching in Toledo, and then some people are going to be down. And and uh, 
not to be too mean about it, but but I don't think Carlos Pena and Wilco Hernandez are kind of priority prospects for the organization, whereas somebody like Troy Melton we think is, uh, because there's there's you know that's a big league arm and there's more up, upside there. And it, you know I don't mean to again like I don't want to be mean. Wilco Hernandez will occasionally pop off like a ninety seven. You're like where the hell did that come from? Uh, but there's you don't you don't see the the total package there. And as Rod said, you know Carlos Pena is a guy who's living upper eighties, touching low nineties. It's it's kind of tough to thread that needle when you're uh you know throwing that that low velocity as much as i'm rooting for those guys too i mean for ping yeah. really i mean he's only pitched really professionally for you know in terms of a for a period of time um if you're looking at the 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 lefties in the situation fast brings up a good question here on the chat odds are odds are that Chaff, chafin will not return to his 2022 form Probably a good possibility, but then you look down at what the Tigers have in terms of prospect wise, in terms of left handed pitchers that kind of fit that situation mode. I mean, you can maybe be imaginative with guys like, for example, if you're looking at possibly maybe you can, it, it, I mean, if you're going to have Tyler Holton, Tyler Holton will be a good, I mean, he, Tyler Holton's going to be a, a solid backup there, just in case. But if you're looking down on the farm system, as far as relief arms go, it kind of it the Tigers are in a really interesting position because you I mean Andrew Magno, I mean he pitched all over. I mean, but does he get a consideration for a call up? His command sometimes struggles, he struggles, he keeps walks down. So then Adam Wolf's 27 at this point. So what do you do with Adam Wolf? I mean, is he just another so there's the the lefty situation? I mean, they have Jake uh, Higginbottom too as well. That that's gonna be and also Andrew Vasquez. Don't forget my Andrew Vasquez. Vasquez mm-hmm. is coming he'll back. Yeah, you know, he'll get a he'll, get, a, he'll to, get the first yeah. chance. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to remember if there's another lefty or two, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I mean, that's one of the things the Tigers did this year, this offseason. You know, they added a, a bunch of bullpen help too, right? Like you know Miller and Chafin, along with Lang and Foley and Holton, as you mentioned. Like there really aren't that many open spots. Will Vest is still out there. Brisky. Fido, like there are all these guys who could compete for slots. Of the Brendan White, um, Tyler Madison's going to make some noise at some point. Like they have a lot of options, so I, I think you want to keep your starters starting and you keep your relievers relieving, as it were. Well, be interesting too. Uh, Paul's bring, bringing up possibly young, might move up to Double A and, and some pitchers. The Tigers have mentioned young playing third at, at the big league level. It's not just. Or, I mean, they've mentioned it in press conferences, what have you, but I don't see, I mean, if you're looking at the situation right now at third heading into this, into double a and triple a, I think if you, Pacheco is probably going to spend another year in West Michigan. So yeah, I would assume Pacheco yeah. and Campos will be there all year. Not all beyond, year, but they'll begin there the season. Yeah. So beyond, beyond that though, it's going to be a hodgepodge of, whether how they're going to fit in the likes of, I mean, is Andre Lipsius going to spend another year in Toledo? He could play third. There's going to be, that's going to be the interesting dilemma here. Young could start the season in Erie, but I also could see him starting the season in Toledo. It all depends on what they ultimately do at their base come a few weeks from now, which I mean, outside of the platooning situation. And so. Well, they got, they brought in Ryan Valade too, right? Isn't he a third yeah, baseman? Or is Ryan Valade, yeah. And that's the guy who's going to get some consideration. I forgot about him too. 
Um, yeah, it's they've got Kreidler still around, Lipsius. You got Eddie's Leonard. You got Winslow Perez. You got uh, again. It, it's going to be a juggling act, I think, of them trying to just make sure that they get these guys playing time. And they're not going to give up on Young playing second base. I don't think. I'm sure he'll still play some second base, right? Maybe I'm wrong there, but just given the way that uh, you know they they need to get players in the lineup, he'll probably play third base you know, three, four games a week, second base one or two and the each other. But and also, you know, don't don't laugh about this, but people don't say about Corey Joyce either. Corey Joyce has gotten there's been some interesting numbers about Corey Joyce that and yeah, it's not was, just uh, yeah. He was, was my preseason breakout pick last year and then it didn't really happen. But uh but he he's he's an interesting player. He can play shortstop. He's he walks a lot. He's got some pop. What was it? Somebody told us that though. Who who told us that it was one of those those charts. It was about yeah. uh, that you know, I don't remember what exactly it was, but it was about like, uh, like you know, uh, slugging percentage on impact or something on, on contact. Yeah. I don't remember exactly what it, but yeah, he showed up better than you might expect. I think it was uh, you know there with Colt Keith and Justin Henry Malloy. Yeah, which is, you know, and, and Navagato is going to be coming back too, and so that's going to be. I think the left side of the infield is going to be the most fascinating and most fascinating and also most frustrating position to watch heading into as far as the farm system goes heading into after spring training because i'm I, you look at the depth charts across the board and there's so many different ways to go about it and <laughs> they could decide another they could sign another player who knows at this point as far as if matt chapman goes this is february 4th right now and i'm sorry but the fact there's so many players left on the board you can't tell me there's a little bit of home cooking collusion going on here because for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Come on. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. I, I also think that they're, the, the number of, you know, quality players is kind of small, right? You got, you got Bellinger, you got Chapman, and maybe another two or three, Snell. I mean, Govery never signed, right? There, there's some big names out there still, but after that, like, it, I keep thinking that we're going to start seeing some big league level talent accepting minor league deals with spring training invites. I think we already saw like Kevin Pilar, not not that he's like you know a big star or anything like that, but uh, so that you know teams might just be kind of waiting it out here. But yeah, I I, uh, I don't know. I, I'm you know going around. We, we've talked before about the the depth in the system at second base and and now I guess kind of third base. And basically, the only we did get a question about that. I don't know if we're going to touch on it yet, yeah. but about, yeah, about shortstops. Um, what did uh, no, so it's from Jason. I got I got the question right yeah, here. Jason Fisher. Yeah. Jason Fisher. He said, "Are there any true shortstop prospects in the organization? Most shortstop prospects are drafted in that position, but eventually graduate to second or third, based on due to body development as they progress up the ladder." That's a really good uh, uh, insight there, Jason, because that's absolutely correct. And as far as looking at it from a third base, or excuse me, from that standpoint. I think there's some, I think Peyton, or sorry, Peyton Graham, I think there's some, he's got an arm there. I think he can play shortstop pretty effectively. It's just, 
in Christian Santana, I, he's, he's not got, shortstop. No, he, no, he's not shortstop. No, but I was gonna say if he was if he was going to be a shortstop, he remind me of a just all arm, not a lot of his range is kind of limited. But I would love to see. I think Abel Bastias has the ability yeah. to play short, definitely. Yeah, uh, Bastidas, you know, there was some hope that Raylan Perez uh, could could come up. He's athletic enough to do it, but he had a, a, a rough season. There, uh, you know, Workman is a solid shortstop. Um, they, I think they really like John Peck's glove. He was a guy they drafted this year out of was Pepperdine, I think. Yeah. And he's you know, He had a rough year with the bat, and, and so there's – but there's some weird underlying data there that, that suggests that maybe he's – better hitter than, than his number suggested but but yeah it's it, that would be kind of the one glaring need for this organization i think is is, is that true shortstop prospect somewhere in the system um, you know we talked about you know, Longenhagen thinks that that's kevin mcgonigal they're certainly going to send mcgonigal out there and play shortstop this year I mean, most people think he's a second baseman i think largely because they think that the teams will probably have better shortstops but that might not be the case in the tigers organization uh, so I don't know. We, we've talked. I think Ryan Kreidler is a good shortstop defender. He's an excellent third base defender. Um, and then the, mostly after that, it's yeah, it's, it's a, you know, Danny Soretti's a solid shortstopper uh, at on, on defense. But uh, it's kind of like that. It's a lot of guys who can play shortstop a little bit, but not not that just one surefire. I think your Raj mentioned your best hope there is probably Peyton Graham developing in, uh, because he's got the the athleticism to to stick there. Jim Jarvis, too. I mean, in a short period of time, out yeah. of Alabama is also, you could say that for now, but I mean, I think he has to. A lot of the problems, too, is like they have, these guys have to start hitting. Like Peyton Graham has to, I mean, he was struggling with wrist injuries last year. So that's part of the reason why he wasn't really, you didn't hear his name a lot last year and, and for his struggle. So, and Trey Cruz is no longer a shortstop. I mean, he's in the outfield. He's truly, he's actually better in the outfield than he, he was can. in the infield. Yeah, I mean, opinion. he can he can fill in at shortstop, second base, and center field, and that's that's where he gets a lot of his value. Um, yeah, it's I don't know. Hopefully, somebody will will develop this year and, and be like, okay, that's the shortstop of the future. But uh, you may have to wait for the draft on that one, or they may have to sign somebody down the road. Of course, they do have Javi Baez for what four more years, so yeah, he's a pretty good defender, at least. Yeah, as far as he can see the hit you know, the ball. You know, Tyler know. Parker mentioned Carson. Carson Rucker, who I do think only played shortstop last year, but he is he is one of those guys who just looking at his body, like all right, that, he's going to play third base down the line. You would assume, uh, unless he's you know Cal Ripken Jr. or something like that. I think he's like six two, six three, and uh, and and not like you know Peyton Graham is like six three, but one hundred and sixty pounds. I think Rucker's already like two hundred, two fifteen. Yeah, he's a solid guy. I mean, he's... Mm-hmm. even you know it's funny or even interesting too is where somebody was mentioning. Uh, this was a couple of weeks ago. Somebody who was was I talking to? Uh, somebody asked me about Clayton Campbell randomly, uh-huh. uh, and and like whether he's going to play third or first. And I was just thinking first because he's not much of a his catching yeah. abilities. Yeah, it's kind of eh. Yeah, I so, think first is is his his best hope there. Uh, and then first base is kind of a, an interesting position in the system. That might be in uh, <laughs> where Ellipsius ends up. Or we might see Malloy play some first base later this year, just based on the need. But uh, other than Quincy Naporti, there aren't really any. I guess you know Chris Myers plays first, plays in left field. 
other than that, you know, it's it's a little bit light in terms of, but it's never first base has never been like a position known for prospects, really. Yeah, and Gabe Alvarez said that Chris Myers was his best defender at first base last year, and so yeah. and, and, and it was true. Like he he didn't do too bad of a job in the outfield either for the first time being out there. I mean, but also yeah. remember Myers was also man. I'm saying he's going to do this again, but he was a shortstop. So um, it, that, the reason why he's such a good defender is because he's played the, that you know he's played de- good defense before. Tyler, yeah, pretty much Trey Cruz is exclusively center fielder now. And he, again, I he, he was a good defender last year out there in Erie, and his father and his grandfather both played in the outfield. So it wouldn't – there's no there's no reason for him to – in the infield, there's a lot of – there's a lot of errors. There's a lot of times where it's just a lot of just kind of – I don't want to say absent-mindedness, but just mental stuff. But either way, he showed, he showed – he, last year he impressed me in center field. Yeah, he, cool. he looked like a natural out in center field. I, I think he, you know, he still did play other positions, but I'm trying to, yeah. So he had, yeah. I'm looking last year. He had 14 games at second, 21 at third, 35 at short, and 51 in center. So center became his primary position, but he was still playing other positions. Uh, and he's, but he's mostly playing center field in the winter league right now where he's doing well. So that's good to see. Yeah, and again, he's one of those guys too that at the plate when he can really be on, he's on, you know. And so I, I don't know. He took a step last year forward. Another guy who took a step forward out of nowhere last year defensively and didn't didn't see it coming was Winsiel Perez in center field. I mean, he really was the kind of guy that no one saw coming. He the, defensively, he was he had shown armor out there. And yeah, so it's uh, yeah. I mean, to me, that was the that was one of the most underrated surprises of all of last year. Yeah, well, it was partially it was uh, because things were getting kind of ugly at second base. And with yeah. Winslow Perez, it's always been it's never been a question of the physical talent. He does have a strong arm, and he had you know decent enough range, uh, but the accuracy of his throws was just like an issue, like a mental issue, it seemed like. And and that seemed like he spent some time in the outfield, and I think he was then back at second for the most part. And uh seemed like once once he went to the outfield for, I don't know, about a month or so and came back, his, his, his throwing issues were largely gone. I still think you don't really trust him outside of second base. But uh giving himself some, some defensive versatility in the outfield uh, helps for sure. Yeah, especially for a guy who, again, it was just a, kind of like a mental thing with him in the infield. But uh, there was a that's fun. We have an Andrew Miller in here, so everybody. So, yeah. I look as Willie Adams goes. Somebody was asking a believer in him. I, I don't. He, his metrics, some of the metrics showing too, is like he, his numbers are not what it, like just in terms of trending down. Connor, you and I had that conversation earlier. So yeah, he does trick out too much. I mean. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a little too close to Javi Baez, honestly, right? You're talking about a shortstop yeah. who's who's got power and defense, but strikes out a lot, doesn't hit for average, a little bit iffy. Yeah, it, it, I remember. Didn't he blame the dome too, Chris? Remember he was saying something about the well, dome. Well, he was doing really poorly in Tampa, and then he got traded to Milwaukee and and did much yeah. much better. But I think he did. Uh, you know, I think last year was I think want to see hit like two nineteen last year or something like that. Um. I was just looking at him the other day. It might might be higher, it might be lower, but he did hit 25, 26 home runs, something like that, and played good defense. So there's there's interesting there. You know, when 
Milwaukee went and traded Corbin Burns, I thought like hell, you know, they, they went and got Joey Ortiz, who's you've been a fan of, and and he's gonna be probably the shortstop of the future. So it's like, well, are they gonna trade Adamas now? And it's like, well, do you want Adamas to play third base? Not really, because a lot of his value is from playing shortstop. So I mean he he's got the power, but um, so yeah, I don't know if he's a great fit for the Tigers. Yeah, I don't I don't want to really revisit that either because you know, the, the circle is complete. The Tigers bring back somebody that they let go recently or re- let go. But I, I just rather not. I think the Tigers have their own. Again, they've identified certain players, and I think they're going to stick with that. So, but as far, oh, he's a right-handed Andrew Miller. So it's not the lefty Andrew Miller. Uh, we talked about a little bit about Max Clark earlier, Robert. We were talking about him being on various prospect lists a little bit in terms of being a up-the-middle type of bat that Tigers have Never, I mean, now our now our type of player the Tigers are drafting. So, but yeah, I, I, Connor makes a good point. I could see Adonis to the Braves, but it's just, yeah, where are you going to put him though? He's absolutely right. If the Braves are just ridiculous, but as far yeah. as that goes, there's another thing I wanted to mention too. Before we get out of here, Chris was there. No. We ahead. did have um, there was one other. Uh, Another pitching question. It was from Detroit Tigers fan. Um, it said, do you think Job spends the entire year in Erie? You see him making the jump to Toledo by, let's say, August if he performs well. I I think I think there's a good chance that Job could be Detroit by trade deadline. I really think so. I don't think he spends a whole year in Erie. I really don't. If he goes out, because, again, it depends on who else is going to be in Erie with him? If, if you're going to have you got Trey Melton coming back from injury, so that's going to be a, a slow process. But if Job, like Job would have to like do some Mario jump, you know, Super Mario Brothers jumping over a couple guys, and injuries happen. So, but he would have to go out there and really. But a guy like that, the top isn't the clock ticking, Chris? I mean, this is a guy you want to take advantage of that well, you don't want to further. You know, if it's, he's healthy, he's healthy. Yeah, I mean, in in the sense that you know, every bullet <laughs> it could be a pitcher's last, right? You you don't right. necessarily want to have them wasting time in the minors. The main thing we talked about with Job is is he only threw about eighty innings last year in games, and so generally speaking, the Tigers have not gone more than like forty innings more the next season. So I'm thinking Job's probably topping out at 125 innings this year. And and I think that's the most important thing for the, the organization is to get him to those innings so that then he can go when he's uh, theoretically a member of the Tigers rotation in 2025, he can go 165 innings, right? Like a full workload uh, if he needs to. But yeah, that he is, he is, he's kind of the one special case in the organization, I think, where there are, there are certainly bodies ahead of him. We talked about it before uh, in Montero, Flores, Madden, uh, Gibson Long, all those guys. And then they brought in the free agents, right? There's not really a, a, a clear spot for him right now. But given his talent level, uh, and if he if he makes even modest improvements, uh, let alone like kind of doubles up the improvements he made last year, he's going to be one of the best five or six pitchers in the organization, honestly. So it, it could just be one of those things where if the Tigers are competing and – they feel like there's an upgrade available. Maybe they bring them up. I, I tend to think that 
it's pretty rare for a young pitcher like him to come up and still you know succeed right when he comes up but he's got that sort of stuff that it might work i i just i think that he'll spend you know through june maybe to the all-star break in erie and then probably up in toledo and it could be one of those things where if he he comes out and shoves in toledo for like two or three games they're like okay that's it we've seen enough and uh he's coming up but they might they might just kind of do half and half like they did with colt keith last year right half the season in Erie, half the season Toledo, get him his innings, get him prepared for the next year, sign him to a long-term extension. Although you don't usually do that with pitchers. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll spend the whole year in Erie. Yeah, there's uh, somebody who was asking about how many innings we expect from my deadly ninja bees. Look, if they, if he gets, if look, I will, if, if the Tigers get 120 out of him, I, I, that would, that's a miracle to me. And, that, and I only say that because, I want to see Mize go out and do that, and that should be expected. But we're in these times where 120 innings is the equivalency of a guy throwing. It's just it's strange how 120 innings now doesn't mean the same thing it did say 20 years ago. <clears throat> so, yeah, with the, they gave Scooble 80 last year, right? And he wasn't coming off Tommy John; he was coming off some some you know different stuff, and that was in 15 starts. Um. I think, yeah, probably 100 is, is probably all you're going to get from Mize. I don't know how they're going to work that out. They may, you know, they may be giving them three inning outings or, you know, capping them at a certain number of pitches. Uh, but then again, you know, it's, it's, he's had almost two years to build back his arm strength, right? It's just he hasn't actually done it in games. So I don't know. I'm trying to remember like the most innings. I think I can remember anybody throwing after Tommy John surgery was Matt Harvey, and it was like 190, right? It was like the, the Mets worked him like crazy, and that was basically it for him. That kind of ended his career. So um, I think they're going to be really cautious with Mize. I think part of signing these free agent pitchers is is th- with that in mind, is they know that they're going to need starts, and Mize is not going to be able to give them 150 innings. So I don't know. Yeah, 80 to 100 I think sounds about right. As, so Connor asked a question about who could be a potential breakout among pitchers Ooh. and also as hitters too. And there's a, there's a couple guys that I mean, Dylan Smith is one of them. Tyler, I'm sorry. It was, yeah. Connor asked that question. Tyler said, Dylan Smith. I think Dylan Smith was all of them. One, one too. I think Colin Fields. I, I know that sounds like a weird name to mention Chris, but mm-hmm. he was one of the few got a few pitchers last year that went from complex to Lakeland and was somewhat effective. I mean, he pitched his walks is where he's got problems. He's got to control his walks. I'm not saying he's going to break out, but it's got, got interesting stuff. I mean, then again, Lakeland didn't really have any arms that as far as, let me, let me rephrase that. The transition from the complex to Lakeland was and some of, some of the arms wise, wasn't a smooth one. And Colin Fields mate was one of the few ones that did. So I'm trying, I'm trying to think of, when when you phrase that question the way you did, Connor, I'm trying to think of arms that are not not the obvious the obvious ones, not the Ty Maddens of the world or anything, but just somebody that kind of goes on the radar. A guy that we that has been there's as far as uh, kind of a, from a younger standpoint, you have of course uh, Carlos Mancalo, who we saw throw 100 innings last year. He's still he doesn't strike out enough, so that's where you kind of go give you pause, but maybe he comes back. He's only 20 years old, so he still has plenty of time, plenty of time. 
So, uh, but as far as any other of these arms go, I'd well, love to see an, an international arm come out of nowhere, Chris. Well, that, yeah, that would be nice. I, I was kind of surprised you didn't mention, because uh, I, I, I now consider him kind of your guy, uh, is Jaden Ham. Oh, yeah, no, Jaden Ham's, oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Jaden Ham's the guy who I'm, I'm going, that's the guy, yeah, you're right, he's my consensus overall <laughs> breakout guy. Yeah, which he had a really nice pro debut, and he's got some interesting stuff, and and uh, I think uh, it's a it's a good pick there. It's it's always easiest to kind of just you know guess on the the draft guys. I'm trying to remember, um, you know, a couple of years ago or heading into last year, I thought Joe Adamitz was an interesting breakout candidate, and then he was hurt and only pitched half the season. I don't know if he even got up to Lakeland, uh, but yeah, some of those guys from from that. 2022 draft class that we just haven't seen a pitch much uh like the patrick pridgen yeah. and quinn goditis and the the joe and jake miller like we just we haven't seen those dudes so i i i want to see them to see what kind of raw stuff they have but i, I can't really say like hey this guy's gonna break out because we've just we haven't seen their stuff um so it, it's it's a little bit tough to pick for a pitcher for me and uh for hitters i don't like I don't. I, I've got kind of a sneaking suspicion that Luke Gold is going to do some damage this year, um, but to what extent? I don't know. <laughs> like, is he? I don't think it's going to be a Kerry Carpenter situation. Uh, but I, I, I feel like, and he kind of snuck into the back of our top thirty. And I think I don't know if he's on anybody else's. Maybe uh, Fangraphs. I think they've liked him. But yeah, I think he's got a chance to to hit his way, uh, you know, into a, a, a an interesting player by the end of end of the year. Yeah, as far as hitters go, yeah, I would put Luke Gold on there too. As f- I put another guy, as I think even from from an international standpoint, because I was trying to think of some of the they're, they've sent a lot of players, but maybe I think Samuel Gill makes it, perhaps makes a step forward. Uh, there's, I mean, he's been only in complex league in the DSL, but put up some good on base numbers too, so it makes you kind of consider that. Hopefully that complex stuff can the complex league can carry into Lakeland because that would be good. To see, that would be great to see that, especially something along the lines where they can kind of feel better with the likes of, I mean, right now they've had, they have a, have a hodgepodge of Carlos, that's what he's in the outfield really, but Pellegrin. Pellegrin, and they have just have a bunch, bunch of guys right now. They're kind of like, you're not really sure what they have, but there's a, as far there was the switch hitting Norm, uh, Normar Anna, who again, we want to see. I, I, I'm more interested in seeing these complex guys that go into Lakeland this year. But in all seriousness, outside of what you said, Luke Gold, here wise, I'm going to stake my claim right now. My way too early breakout hitter prospect, you know, I'm probably gonna, I'm gonna go with Carson Rucker. I'm, I'm nice. I, I think, I think Carson Rucker would be a guy to look out for. Yeah, I, I, uh, the international guys, Enrique Jimenez, I think is a guy that people feel pretty strongly about. I, it'll be interesting to see what he does stateside. Annabelle Salas had an awesome debut, but it's the DSL, and we've been fooled by that before. I, I think, yeah, it's not hard to pick. Like I said, it's always easiest to pick these these draft guys. I think Brett Callahan had a really nice pro debut. Kind of reminds me of Ben Malgeri. Might might uh, have a, a solid full first full season. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. And then, you know. Pretty how about Alan Max too, Clark? Really. How about Max yeah. Clark? How about Max yeah. Clark breakout where he's he's yeah. the number one prospect of baseball at this time next year because he looks like Corbin Carroll. I don't know. Ray, Brady Allen saved West Michigan's season defensively last year when they got him and they put him 
over Campos in the in the regular or for the most part sharing the duties out there really really helped. So, but yeah, Brady Allen, I'll be interested to see what he does in Double A. Diaz, that's another. That's checking Diaz is going to be another name to watch out for. And yeah, we it's just we yeah, some video we'll of Jank Diaz. We we had some Jank Diaz. I think I think we put it up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We I did. think so. Yeah. I mean, there's a Briseño. I think there's Jank Diaz. Um, uh, Connor wants to know for fans of Raylan Perez. I I like to see more of him. I don't have enough to gauge an opinion either way. But that was I, one of those guys I was trying to hopefully get the Lakeland or complex yeah. ball last year, but I didn't get a chance to go to Lakeland in August like I normally do. Yeah, I mean, he had a rough <laughs> a rough season. He was a guy we were all excited about because he was, he was putting up big time numbers in the Dominican a couple years ago, and and yeah, it was it was a kind of a splash of cold water last year. What did he hit? One fifty two. Like 152 yeah. with a 34% strikeout rate, uh, 46 WRC plus, two home runs, eight steals. He did walk 13% of the time, but it's, I think Longenhagen has seen him or talked to people who've seen him and kind of compares him to Gage Workman in terms of an athlete and in terms of the swing. So there's a lot of work to be done there. You never know. Like sometimes guys need an extra year and they figure it out. So uh, I, he's a name to keep in mind, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, that was a tough debut. Tyler, all right, and this is one of the last questions and before we get out of here. And once I finally see Gage work on breakout since he eliminated the switch inning. Look, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be polite as possible. Not polite, but just I I, I want to believe that Gage Workman will figure it out. I really do. And there's times where he looks like a major league hitter. He'll pound the ball, he'll I mean, in terms of line drive, gap power, that, yeah, just that. overall power package. Looks it, defensively, he's great, but then there's times where he strikes down three pitches, and you go, "What just happened?" And this is at when he just went to one. So I think mm-hmm. if he can, if he can, if Gage Workman can figure out to be the, the have that same kind of consistency that Trey Cruz had earlier last year, where he was breaking out and hitting 300, I think yes. But I, I just, I gotta, I, I'm just. It's I'm skeptical, man. No, like you know, we were there for that stretch run in 2022 when when Workman was amazing. He he was uh, scaring the hell out of opposing managers. They were, you know, figuring out like they were bringing in pitches pitchers just to make him turn around because he was doing so much damage. But yeah, the inconsistency is killer, and and there's just there's too much swing and miss in the zone, and there's too much chase. And you want to believe in the athlete and and the the ability to develop but this the story of baseball man is is you know 90 percent of the guys who don't make it don't make it because they can't hit and uh and, and i i'm afraid that's just the case with uh, gage workman he's just not going to hit enough to take advantage of it's above average speed above average power above average glove there's a lot to like there but it's if you can't hit you can't make it to the big leagues especially when sometimes like i said it's just all of a sudden swing all all pitchers we have to do is expand the strike zone a little bit. His strike zone just gets expanded all the time. It's it's, it's maddening, and so it's again, he did he did make some at bats in the postseason last year. He was vital in for the Sea Wolves to win the championship last year. So there's a big league player there. It's just it, it has to be as Deadly Ninja B said, inconsistency is death. It's yeah, I mean, there are tons of big league tools, but. You know, only a handful. I mean, it's it's tough. It's very hard to make the big big leagues because, uh, yeah, 
they'll they'll find your weaknesses and exploit them to no end. And, and unfortunately, Workman still has too many of those. Especially when you hear guys that say they can see the um, the, the seams the, of the ball. Yeah. Just I mean, you're that kind of eye. I mean, that's just yeah. yeah. And there may be some some guys might have that eye, but still, you don't have the yeah. barrel control or the bat. Like it's it takes an awful lot. To, to be a big league hitter and and uh yeah there's no shame in, in topping out in double a AA or triple a it's it's but yeah I, I think there's a reason that workman's not on a lot of prospect lists i think he's still on fan graphs but I, you don't see him anywhere else i don't think yeah and it's pretty much right now it's one dude doing all the fan graphs so yeah. it'd be the case it could be a, multiple reasons behind that so but we're out of time thank you so much yes because it is a it is a work night so Thank you so much for tuning in this late on a Sunday yeah. night. Thanks, everybody. The, yeah, we really appreciate it. We appreciate the almost 60-plus people in here. Oh, we had 60 people at one point in here, so thank you so much. Again, if you want to help us get to Lakeland, if you want to help us with just all the costs of everything that we do, GoFundMe is in our chat and also the PayPal link. So there's two ways to donate, and all every bit helps. And so, like I said, I'm just trying to do some budgeting, and I'm driving – solo down to lakeland hopefully if everything works out well so i have to get my work approved and i have to get some like i said uh maybe a triple a card all that because i've never driven by myself the furthest i've ever driven by myself was uh up north i think driven six hours by myself and so from here to lakeland it's i think 20 hours 21 hours something like that i'm not sure so um I'll be, yeah, like I said, every bit helps. And so if I know full well that I have tires and all that jazz, I mean, stuff like that, my car is a, my car just hit 50,000 miles. I have a, wow. uh, yeah, it was the first I have now for three years. And so pretty happy. Actually, you know, for all the driving I did last year, it only hit 50,000 miles. So when I got the car with less than nine, I can't remember. Anyway. Yeah. Well, you, you have the, uh, Generally speaking, you have the rough end of the the split where you, you, we drive to Erie in your car, we drive to West Michigan in mine, in South Bend. But uh, neither yeah. of those are are that far. I mean, they're they're like a hundred miles a piece. But yeah. Anyway. No, and and Erie now to the point where I could do it in my sleep. Erie is the only thing about Pennsylvania roads that suck is they're not lit. I don't yeah. understand the, the Pennsylvania is some of the darkest roads in the country. From I mean, from my limited, so, I'm so not limited. Amish mafia. <laughs> it's weird because you'll drive by when you're on the you get on the i-90 and you're ending the erie and then you look abandoned like this weird looking trailer parks and the abandoned on the on the left they look abandoned and the speed limits and everything and i don't know it's just really dark out there and so yeah we're getting close to baseball time and we're looking forward to it so please if you can that'd be great we really appreciate it and if anything breaking light we'll probably be doing Honestly, Chris, I don't know unless we've said this every week. And I, you know what? I don't think anything's going to happen. I think we'll have, I think we'll, we'll get the list of uh, non roster invitees uh, probably next week. Yes. That'd be something so, to discuss, sort of. Yes. Yes. It'll be something to definitely discuss. So once that, any breaking news this week will break, we'll probably do the usual, we'll do the usual show on Mercy and side things probably on Thursday. As yeah, probably later in the week versus Tuesday. This last week was we we're trying to accommodate for Uper and myself. So we'll talk to you later this week on Motor City Metrics. 
Have a good evening. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.